0: Uh, Welcome Church Project, I'm glad to see everyone here. My name is Aaron Havens, I'm one of the pastors here. If you're a first time guest, we want you to enjoy yourself. We are a church, we are a gathering of people who love Jesus and we want to know and love him more and we love the mission of Jesus. We want to live that out together but we're also a project. Raise your hand if you've got this whole church thing figured out. Okay, you're in a great place. We're a project. We don't have it figured out, but we know we love Jesus. We know we love scripture, and we're running after life together the best that we can. And so I love being a part of this body. I'm glad that you're here. I don't know what brought you here today, but you're here, and I believe God has got a very specific reason for you to be here. So welcome. We're glad you're here. I uh, am going to jump right into Scripture today. At Church Project, we go expository teaching, which means we take verse by verse, and we go through book by book, and one of the reasons that we do that is that we want to learn how to study Scripture together. I think even in the process of us doing this and studying on Sunday mornings, it, and one of the benefits that it does is it shows all of us how to pick up our Bible tomorrow morning and to dive in Scripture without me. Without us, when it's just you and tomorrow morning, you learn how to pick up Scripture and do it on your own. So if you would, open your Bible to Acts chapter 3. We're going to be going through four verses. Acts chapter 3, verse 22 through 26 is what we're covering. If you do not have a Bible, you can grab a blue Bible that's, that's on a row uh, right here or there's some in the back. And in the blue Bibles, it's on page 630. So Acts chapter 3. Verse 22 through 26. I'm going to ask someone to come up and read these verses for us out of the ESV. So if you have the ESV version, come on up here and read these four verses for us. And yeah, we'll get used to this sometime. There we go, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let it be awkward. I'm just going to let it sit there. 22 through 26? Yes, sir. Moses said, The Lord God will rise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel and those who come after him, also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets, and the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Mm-hmm. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. I pray that this word comes alive. God, I pray that you'll reveal yourself to us in a very powerful way. that your spirit will be moving in our hearts and minds that we'll leave here today more in love with you than when we came. In, it's in your name we pray, amen. Peter, thank you for reading that. And I, I want to set this up for us again. This, in the flow of Acts... What happened is Peter is now giving what is the second message ever in church history. The first one we talked about last week was Pentecost. We, we actually covered it a few weeks ago, and that's when everyone thought they were drunk, but they weren't. The Spirit was doing something incredible, and now we enter into right here the second half of Peter's second message. We talked about the first half last week, and the first half happened because Peter and John were going into the temple, and there was a lame man at the temple court, the temple called Beautiful, and John John looked and said, arise, and and the guy arose and started walking, and a miraculous thing happened, And, and suddenly, we talked about FOMO, the fear of people missing out. They saw something happen, and they didn't know what was happening, so they started gathering around Peter and John and saying, what was going on, to the point where thousands of people are now gathering because they don't want to miss out on this new thing that's happening, and Peter, last week, began to address the people, and this week is the end of this second message. So we're picking up in the middle of Peter's second message. So there's over 5,000 people right now. Now he doesn't have one of these nice microphones. He's yelling. He's screaming. We talked about how is he even speaking to the people that are there? Is he doing it stern? Is he in the message going, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you? Or does he have a broken heart and he's telling the people what's going on? I think he had a broken heart. I think how we give the message is just as important as to what the message is. Christians, listen up as we go through this ver- these verses right here and think about Peter talking to the people and giving this message. All they know is something incredible is happening and they don't want to miss out. Can we hit pause on that? And can we ask that for our own lives? And for the church of today? Would the world around us look at church project and look at our life and see something new and fresh and incredible happening to the point where they don't know what it is, but they just want to come and be a part of it? Let's make it a little simpler question. Are we repelling or compelling people to the word of God? In our own lives, are we so bold and stern that we go out and we tell people how it is? Or do we meet people where they're at and draw them to the loving gospel message? I pray that's what we do. I pray that that's what my life does. I pray that's what Church Project does. And so as Peter is talking, he, he's brilliant. He knows that his, that his audience is a smart people that are well-educated. And so he gives the first part of his message. And then in the second part of the message, what we're going to cover today, he goes and he backs up everything that he's going to say with things that they would understand. So... Let's look in verse 22 through 24 here. In verse 22, pick up with me and read along in your Bible. It says, Moses said, and this is Peter talking to the people, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed. Pause. In the Greek, the word is pulverized. I love that word, pulverized. You will be destroyed from the people. In verse 24, and all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him all proclaimed these days. The disciples were what we call early adapters. The the disciples were early adapters. They were the ones sending out the very first text message. All right. You remember your first text message? Do you remember receiving your first text message? You guys might not. It's always been there. I don't I don't know. But do you remember? I remember I had a flip phone. It was in Texas. And you remember the flip phones? Jerry, show us a flip phone. I know you got one of those things. Like, I figured out how to do it. He's gonna hold- Oh, you left it at home. Don't have it. There it is. Okay, the flip phone. There it is. I figured out it took me like 10 minutes, and I sent Lauren a text message and and, you know, she, she didn't know what it was. She didn't know that I sent her anything. But, but it's like you got your first text message, and what do you do with it? You open it up, you look at it, and hello? Like, what, am I supposed to type? What, what am I supposed to do? So you remember the, the first text messages, and soon communication got a little better because the early adopters kind of sent their texts, and it got common. And now I can just go, text Chad Harding. Do you want to say to Chad Harding? Hey, bro, don't forget to bring the cowbell to church project. Ready to send it? Send it. Oh, I sent you a text right now. (laughs) All because the earlier adapters thought this was awesome, right? Okay, that was weird, but he loves playing cowbell in church, so inside joke. If you're a first-time guest, just go ask him, what's the deal with the cowbell? Don't worry about it. I am more cowbell. I could see me as a good Jewish boy. And, and, and in this setting, this is really the people that are there, the, the, the Jewish people, they're in the temple court, and they just know something is happening, and they're going and they're drawn to it. I can see me, honestly, as a good Jewish boy. Like, probably most of the people that were, that were drawn to this new thing that was happening. I'm not quite the earlier adapter. That text thing took me a while to get a hold of. Like, I can't even get past the bow tie. Okay, so do. like... I could see, I could see me as a good Jewish boy growing up, following all the rules, memorizing the Torah, and and especially the law of Moses, which was the most authoritative part of the Old Testament canon, which talks about the prophets. That's the section we're in today. Uh, now, as a young man, I, I I was proud. I could see me in part of this congregation here, as a young man being proud that I was taken part of a revolution just earlier that that killed a false prophet named Jesus I could see me as that Jewish boy going I don't know what's going on here but then also realizing that maybe he wasn't a false prophet because he rose from the dead that's 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 kind of neat and then we're seeing all these miracles, and that, that's kind of neat. And so as I'm sitting there, I can see myself as the one that's looking at Peter and John, giving this message that they're earlier adopters to the Holy Spirit and the things that's happening, and it's not quite clicking with me yet, but I know that something is happening, and so I'm standing there, and I'm compelled because the Holy Spirit is there. I'm also very confused and very enlightened. And Peter is speaking, and he's giving this message to me. And he's giving this message to the people that are there. The first part of Peter's message is speaking to the people. We see that in verses 12 through 21. And the second part, really, what we're in now, is backing up what he said, and he's repeating what he said earlier. And also, what he's doing, just so you can know, you can refer back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, Verses 15 through 19, and this is being fulfilled like Peter is quoting what these people probably already know. He's quoting, and he's saying, this is a new thing that's happening, and I'm telling you this, it's new, but it's not new. All the prophets all along from Deuteronomy, this Torah, the stuff that you memorized, it's been all pointing to this here right now. It's been spoken by many prophets. And I can see Peter giving with a broken heart this message to the people. Because they've crossed every T, they've dotted every I, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're just good Jewish boys. A warning for silver spooners like me. I say silver spooners. Man, my grandpa is still a pastor. He'll say he's not, but he's still a pastor planted many churches. My dad was a youth pastor. The heritage of my family is Christian for a long time. I would say I'm a silver spooner when it comes to the things of faith and being a Christian. Warning to the silver spooners like me, because we can think that we're okay, We can think because of grandpa and because of dad and because of experience and because of Sunday school that we're all good. We've crossed every T. We've dotted every I. But we might be missing a relationship with Jesus Christ in the middle of it. Now, we might have one. It might be bland, right, right? And it might be bland. It might be there. And warning, warning. That, that's a warning I shoot out. Bigger than anyone in this room are the Christians that have said, I've been a Christian since third grade. Really, is it live? Is it growing in you? Or are you just a silver spoon or showing up? Because that's what you do. I'm excited if you're in this room and you're doubting who God is. That excites me. I'm excited if you're in this room and you're not quite sure yet. That excites me. Why? Because you're not so jaded and you're not so numb to the things of Christ that you're still seeking and you're still looking. And I believe in this powerful God. Do you, church, that can reveal himself in powerful and mighty ways to you? But also, it's an awesome encouragement for the silver spooners like me. Though we've been in it for so long, he's new every day and every morning. And our love can go deep and strong So, this message is an encouragement to everyone in this room. For the Christian of 50 years or for the seeker today, this is a beautiful and loving message. When someone realizes the love of Christ for the first time, it's it's awesome. It is such a joy. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, or been part of a conversation, or prayed with someone where for the first time they realized, I am not worthless. Like God died for me and loved me so much he gave his own son for me. Regardless of my actions and regardless of what I've done, and you begin to see in their eyes, and their heart begins to open, and the Spirit begins to compel them and say, I love you. You're a child of God. No longer are you slave to sin. Like I've molded you and made you, regardless of your actions. Have you been in conversations where people begin to understand that for the first time? It's beautiful. It's like a prized possession that they didn't even know was right there. And you get to walk them into this conversation. They begin to pick it up and look at it. And with tears and with a broken heart, the spirit begins to move. It's beautiful. So Peter and John, they had a relationship with Jesus that was deep and beautiful, and all they can do is stand up and compel others. All they can do is stand up and share the words that that they knew what to share, and to point to the prophets of long ago, and try to mix this, the current 5,000 plus people, with this eternal message, and see what happens when those two things meet. Next week, Jabez is going to be given the message, if you were doubting if you were, I just threw you under the bus, you are for sure now. And we're praying for you because we're going to see the result of this message that Peter's giving is what Scripture talks about next week. And so come next week ready to go because he's going to bring it. But we're going to see the result. I don't want to jump to that yet and steal that thunder. All I want to say is Peter and John are given this message and it's beautiful. And what I want to point out in these verses right here is the very last two words in chapter 20, or verse 24. Well first he says prophets and he names some prophets comes from Deuteronomy all the prophets since then and then we get to verse 24 the last two words says all of that also proclaimed these days they were all speaking for these days so all of time all the prophets everything that was happening was pointing towards these days all history points to that day Peter stands up and he gives a message and he says this may be new but it's not new The prophets of old have all been speaking for this very day. Where we've seen now Jesus has come on the scene. He's died. He he was crucified. He was resurrected. The prophets spoke of that. And God's doing a new thing right now. Every all of history points to this day. How would you like to be in that time? How would you like to be in that time? Guess what? We're in that time. Every day is a new day because of Jesus Christ and what he has done. Because of the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Like Jesus died for us and every day is a brand new day. That's why we're a project. We don't have it figured out. But we can stand up and say this message just as much today as they did 2,000 years ago. This is a message the prophets of old spoke about today. God is doing a new thing today. Today. Today is the climax of all history. Have you thought about that recently? We're not guaranteed another day. It's new, it's fresh, and it's from God and about God. I think it takes a really proud man or woman to think that life is about them. That spits in the faces and the message of all that have come before us. This eternal message captured into a temporal thing called pride can keep us from a vibrant relationship with Christ. And so the climax of all history is today, all those things that pointed to this day, as Peter was saying, and we can say all those things pointed to this day as we live right now. How is God beholding himself to you today? And are you walking in a vibrant relationship with him, compelled by the new things, or are you okay and stagnant with the old things? You've memorized the Torah, and you're okay with that. But let's just leave it there. Isaiah 43, 19 says this, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. Does anyone want that in their life? Do you pray this over your life? Like, God, you're doing a new thing. Make a new way where the land was parched. Bring water to it. Do new things, God. I am counting on you in my life. Let's go on to verse 25. Peter continues and he says, You are the sons of the prophets. And of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. I like in verse 25 where it says offspring. offspring. Peter is making a point which will further be made in in the New Testament. It'll be further be made, but he's making it really for the first time here, which reflects Galatians 3.16. So you can just write down Galatians 3.16, and it's coming in the future, but Peter begins here for the first time. Speak about a message that's going beyond just this generation. Galatians 3.16 says this, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, It does not say into the offsprings, S, referring to many, but referring to one, and your offspring, who is Christ. See, Jesus begins to take, or Peter begins to take this eternal message, which the Jewish people are thinking, offsprings, that's me, Offspring, bloodline here, that's me. I'm moving forward. And Peter goes, oh, it's true. You have the bloodline of Abraham, but what really is happening here is not about you. It's about this single person called Jesus Christ. He begins to open up this message that was a very proud message to a proud people and says, that's true and that's awesome, but God is opening this up to the world. You don't have to be just Jewish at this point. Now this is an early adopter message that Jesus is, or that Peter is saying right now. The New Testament's going to go and unpack this some more, but it's a beautiful message. He is saying, "Listen, Jewish people, 5,000-plus people here. Listen. It's not by your blood or by keeping the law that you will be restored. The offspring of Abraham is Christ. It's not your lineage. So just because You're a good person that crossed every T and dotted every I and had the bloodline of Jewish in you didn't make you a Christian. Jewish people who think they have the keys to whatever God is offering, that they are the chosen people, that they're slid in because of who they are, Peter begins to stand up and give a different message. It doesn't say you're excluded because you're Jewish. What it says, though, is that he gave it, you the message first. Now he's opening it up to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to the slave, to men, to women. And he opens up this message that used to be closed. And we see it happening right here in the end of the second message ever. This beautiful message is now for the world. That's why we're sitting here right now. Be- the results of this message... The results of this thinking, the results of this reality, is why we are sitting here right now. How many songs do we sing where we say, We're adopted? We've been brought into the line, the bloodline of Christ. We're adopted. We may not be Jewish, if you are, awesome. But we are adopted as Gentiles into the family of Christ. No longer are we slaves to that sin. Whatever sin is in our life, because we've been adopted. And with that, I say, Amen. I do not deserve to belong to the body of Christ. And I believe many of the people that were hearing this message that Peter was giving on that day thought, I'm good because I have the Torah memorized and because I have the bloodline. And Peter begins to open it up and says, that's good. But it's so much better than that. This message is going to the ends of the earth. Today, this message is vital. I want to, I want to, I want to quote a, a theologian here. It's William Larkin about this passage. And this is what he says. Today, this message is vital to the eternal destiny of not only the ethnic children of Abraham, the Jews, but also the largest of hidden people groups, nominal Christians. Let me read this again. Today, this message, as in today, this message that was spoken then is vital to the eternal destiny of not only the ethnic children of Abraham, the Jews, but also the largest of hidden people groups, nominal Christians. What would happen if nominal Christians, just like the people there that Peter was speaking to, you're not saved because of the bloodline, you're saved because of the person of Jesus Christ, they begin to get it, and we'll see next week what happens and it comes alive, what would happen today if sleeping Christians who've been going to church forever and crossing every T and dotting every every I, nominal Christians, would wake up and be the church? What would happen? The same thing that happened when the Jewish people begin to believe in the person of Jesus Christ and they get to stand and jump and not only do they experience like freedom from bondage of slavery, but now they're experiencing freedom from the bondage of sin in their life. What would happen if sleeping Christians would do the same thing? Church Project, I long to be part of a church of people that are not sleeping, not faking, not acting. People that are going to engage into the lives of each other, engage into the lives of their neighbors, and do it in loving and beautiful ways. Because if we believe in this message, which is called the gospel, which means what? The good news message. Then with our face smiling and with our heart warm, we will go to our work spaces and places. We will go to our colleges. We will go wherever God takes us, and we will share this good news message. We could be so, so sold out, we are missing the point. We could be so sold out, we are missing the point. We think that by buying a cross and wearing it, that shows we love Jesus. We think that by coming every Sunday morning and being part of a house church, and serving our homeless people and whatever else we're doing, that that makes it for us. It doesn't. We could be so sold out that we are missing the point. The point of all of this is relationship. The point of all of this is not that we would go be doers, but we would be. We would be madly in love with Christ. And because of that relationship, we would do. But we could be so sold out to being a Christian that we forget to tell our face to smile and we forget to tell our heart to be warm and we forget to take this good news message wherever we go. We could be in this so deep that we don't know how it meets real life. We have a beautiful thing called this good news message. And we come on Sundays and we come to house church and we come together and we do this thing. I love this thing. This thing is awesome. But some of us come it, we consume it, we package it up really cute We put a bow on it and we put it in our pocket like it's our precious gift and we go live our life. Then we come back on Sunday and we consume again. We wrap it up. We put a big bow on it. Put it in our pocket and go live our life. Can I be honest with us? Well, I'm just going to be, so deal with it. I'd rather walk in the dark with God than go alone in the light. I'd rather walk in the dark with God than go alone in the light. I'd rather risk my life and to go places and do things and to say odd conversations and to enter into dirty relationships and to live my faith out than to just come on Sundays and consume and go back. What would happen in Church Project if in this room We became so madly in love with God and this message that we would remind Monday morning to have this message as well. And it would go with us all day on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and we'd tell our neighbors and show the love of Christ what would happen. I think what would happen is you would probably come with someone next week here. I think this would actually be unstoppable because the world is so desperate for hope that if they saw someone that believed in the message and had this message, it would be unstoppable. Here's my call to us, church project. As Peter gave us in these four verses, as he was speaking to the people of the time who thought they were okay and they thought they were good. He stood up and he said, oh, you're good, but you could be so much better. Repent, turn, believe in this Jesus, and we'll see what next, next week, what actually happened. Church project, let's wake up. Let's wake up. Not in a condescending, hard, harsh way. And if you're mad at me right now, so be it, okay? Because I think God is moving in your heart and the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart in a beautiful way saying, wake up, come to me, come alive. Because this hope message, where else are you gonna find it in the world? Nowhere else in the world would you go and share this hope message with everyone that you come in contact with. Is this a beautiful message or is this a hard message? Yes. Yes. Depending upon where your heart and mind is today right now. If it's a hard message, maybe God's prodding you a little bit and waking you up a little bit. Saying, man, this is a good message. Are you living it? Are we living it, church Project?"